Hello, and welcome back to the Connect to You podcast, where we talk about health, life, and feelings to connect to a better you. I'm Mark. And I'm Ty. And this week, we're actually going to talk about how to keep yourself motivated. Yeah, Marcus and I were discussing all the different kind of problems you can run into and different times you need to motivate yourself in a stressful situation, in a good situation, and a few hacks to make sure you're getting the most out of your exercise time or creative time or whatever it might be. Yes, different things that can come up in life. So I guess one of them would be job loss. Yeah, for sure. Staying motivated for working out for fitness. Yeah, and also trying to motivate yourself to look for that next thing that you want to do. Yeah, whether it be, you know, a, a side hustle or getting back into the, the regular job market or just, yeah, hitting some new personal records. So I guess to start with, we can talk more about that. I actually recently went through job loss uh, back in January. For me, I feel like previously things that I went through helped me stay motivated to find that next job. And I was fortunate enough that I had started something in November, Connect You Fitness. So I had started that and was going pretty as heavy as I could while I was working two jobs. So the transition when January hit was actually pretty easy because there was only one thing that I knew that I could be doing. Now, what in particular did you do that first day that you got up newly unemployed, but having that kind of side hustle that you were working on? What were some steps you took to remain motivated? And how did you how did you feel on that day? Okay, uh, so the Monday, so previous to that, I actually made a decision to take time until the Monday, really process everything, talk to the people I needed to talk to. So talk to my parents, talk to some mentors. I talked to you about it. Yeah. Went to an event. So your birthday party. Oh, right. Yeah. Was something that I actually, and you had told me that I didn't need to go to it. I did feel I should go to it and I wanted to go to it because I wanted to be surrounded by people who I care about and who cared about me. And even if I wasn't talking about that situation... I still wanted to make sure that I was surrounded by people. And I gave myself until the Monday to decide what I was going to do. So on the Sunday, I came up with a plan. Things that I thought I needed to do now that I could work on that side hustle from before full time. Coming up with a plan was basically the thing that I knew I needed to do. I had so many ideas that I just started writing everything down. Gotcha. So Monday comes around, you have your list that's ready to go of kind of like mini goals you need to achieve or just things you need to check off. How did that Monday play out for you? Was it a productive day or was it just like a lay in bed and feel sorry for yourself? And what do you think made the difference between those two sort of outcomes? So it wasn't a lay around in bed type day. So previous Wednesday, got let go, talked to the people I needed to talk to. I actually went out to my parents' house. My mom, my dad, and I really had an in-depth conversation on the drive out to their house, which is about an hour. My brain was already processing what I needed to do to get over this. Come Monday, I knew I didn't have any time to sit there feeling sorry for myself, to be pissed off at anybody at that company. I didn't have time. So that mentality really helped on the Monday because I got up, I think at 7.30, 8 o'clock, I hammered out a workout because I knew I'd feel better and felt more energetic during the day and then just hammered out everything. And I think that first day I put in probably around 12, 14 hours. Wow, so that's a really productive day. Yeah. So a couple things that helped you on that, you had a list of goals that you needed to achieve and you had a sense of urgency too. 
Um, You knew that you didn't have an infinite amount of time to baby this project off the ground or anything like that. You needed to get on it right away. So that really helped you have a a strong day and a a good first start and, and lots of motivation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was being motivated something that was necessary for you to do your workout, or do you think your workout helped you be motivated? I think my workout helped me to be motivated. Getting something done in that in the morning, whether it's an easy task of making your bed or doing a workout or a mix of all of that stuff, hammering out morning tasks or morning routine, whatever that is for you, I feel helps you build up into the bigger things that need to happen later on. I do the same things every single day that I wake up and it's accomplishments, whether they're small. So brushing my teeth, I feel is an accomplishment. Yeah. I know I need to do it. And I hate brushing my teeth. I mean, I do, but I hate it. Yeah. And sometimes it's just a pain because you rush around and you feel you need to get other stuff done at that time. But brushing your teeth, getting that done. I don't eat breakfast, but I get my food ready for the rest of the day. So that's another thing where I can pretty much do that when I'm sleeping, but it helps motivate me going into my workout that I did all of these small tasks. So then it helps me going into the workout, get my training done. And then the bigger tasks that I have written down from the previous day, I can start hammering them out because I'm more alert, more awake. I've been successful basically the whole morning on everything else. Now that next task just has to happen. Gotcha. So building a series of small achievements just to kind of help you through the next bigger achievements or bigger tasks that need completing. Yes. Yeah. And that's something that I do and something I picked up on quite a while ago that I prefer to work out in the morning because at nighttime, if I need to do a workout, I will, although I have less energy because I've already done a lot of stuff during the day. So I'm less motivated to actually get that workout done. So I'd rather it be the first thing because it just gives me more more energy, gives me that motivation to do the rest of the stuff that I have to do in that day. Now, do you think that if you were treating your, your morning workout in that situation, if you were treating it a little bit differently, if you regarded it as something that needed to get done for fitness, say, more than for mental health or to get started with your day, do you think that would change how you perceive that or how you approach that? If it was a little bit more of a, a stepping stone towards having a beach body as opposed to just something that was part of your routine and that needed to be done just as much as brushing your teeth or, or making lunch. Yeah, I think it would change it just because this way it's building a habit. If I do that consistently and every day, it starts to be less of a mental drain. So I have to use less willpower going into that to motivate myself. It's just on autopilot that this just makes sense this is what I'm doing. If I wanted to get that beach body, that's a good way to spur on training and workouts if you have a deadline you can do a lot of stuff in that time be motivated because there's that day on the calendar so summertime's coming up i'm going on this big vacation that's there oh i have a wedding coming up that's on the calendar that's not going away you know that's coming up so that can be huge for motivation what do you do after that though right so back to kind of the same thing like you said having that sense of urgency to really get things going on. But yeah, that's a good point that you maybe won't always have that sense of urgency. And that's why we see so many people doing yo-yo weight loss and everything like that is they have that that one day on the calendar that they really want to hit their goals for. And maybe they hit it, maybe they get close, whatever. They've definitely been more healthy leading up to that. But then yeah, you hit that day and how do you stay motivated after that, after you hit a plateau or something like that. Yeah, and what are some things that you do to motivate yourself? So you're you currently own your own business. Yeah. And you have for a few years now. Yeah. 
what are things that you do to stay motivated to show up every single day? You have to because it is your own business. Yep. But you might not put in as much effort as you do unless you were motivated. So what are things that you do? Absolutely. One thing I started in the last year or maybe six months, just to make sure that I was using my best work for myself and not for someone else. At the end of every day when I'm done at work, I say, what are five minutes I can put in to make my business better? It's not always something really groundbreaking or hugely successful, but every day I'm trying to put in that extra five minutes of concentrated effort. It's usually once the business is closed for the day and it's not anything that's going to make me late for supper or getting home to my family. It's just five minutes, whether it is doing a little extra cleaning or just a little more organization or taking care of some paperwork. It maybe isn't something that makes a big difference day to day in the business, but it is something that makes a big difference in my head and with my motivation and keeping me excited to be at work. I've owned my own business now for coming up seven years right away. Not only is that a long time to own a business and be in business for yourself and relying on yourself, but it's also a long time just to be at a job. After two years, I find that I personally get a little tired with my job that I'm at. Previous to this one, I hadn't worked more than two, two and a half years at any job in particular. So it was a big change for me when this one came around to be there for as long as I have been. So that five minutes a day is what I do to remain motivated and to stay fresh and just to make sure that I'm not showing up, but I am, I'm there and I'm not just working for the weekend. Okay, so now you're not always going to have a catastrophic incident or you're not always gonna have a really strong cutoff point like that. So how do you stay motivated to do a side project, for example? when it isn't life and death, when it's just something that you're trying to work on in your spare time, when you already have a job and workout schedule or family. So Mark, how do you stay motivated to do something like that? So for me, when I started my, my side project, so I started in November of last year, so November 2018, I just told people about it. I had told you about it before. You had talked to me about things in regards to the business side, building a budget, ads, who I was going to market to, have I thought about any of that stuff? Have I thought about logos, what I wanted to call the business? Nothing. I didn't think about any of that. I had an idea of what I wanted to do, what I wanted to market, as in connect yourself, so your mind, to your nutrition and your fitness, so how to stay motivated, that kind of stuff, and how important it was for me, so I wanted to align that to the business. And we had talked about that, then I stopped talking about it because that shit scared me when you talked to me about it. When I talked to you about it again, I had told more people. So I talked to my parents about it. I told some people at work about it and talked to you and you had brought up the exact same points, but this time I actually knew you would and I had thought about those things. Not in a sense of what was feasible, just in a sense of this is exactly what I wanna do. I have the name, so I have that solid boundary. What it was about, what it encompasses, what I wanted to become. I had thought about ads, had thought about logos, things like that. From there, telling you was probably the best thing because then you motivated me. You kept talking to me about it. You kept asking me, what's my plan for today? Yes, you're working for the financial industry that you were or the bank that you were, 
What are you gonna do to make sure that you're still working on this business as consistently as possible? So having somebody who knows business because you own your own business and have for seven years and having that person to help me is what motivated me to continue my side project because there would be times where I text you at nine at night telling you, hey, these are the things that I did and you would be very excited for me, which I think is so important to have somebody in your life that can be excited for something that they are a part of in a different way. They aren't a part of the day-to-day. They're just more of a part of, okay, you need to think about this. You need to do this and gets excited for you when you talk about those things. Gotcha. So someone to hold you accountable and just check in daily, weekly, monthly basis and make sure that you are keeping up with your goals and your checklist and hitting some benchmarks. Yes, yeah, and making sure that person knows what those benchmarks are in the beginning. Right, okay. So one thing that you talked to me about was writing things down, no matter how big the project would have been, just write those ideas down to begin with, and then come up with a schedule of when those things need to be accomplished by, and really making sure to stick to my timeline, so day-to-day, what am I going to work on, and then you also holding me accountable at that point saying hey you told me this monday that this is what you're going to work on and you're going to have it done by friday so designing the website putting out my first article were big things that i needed to get done and i told you about it on the monday we had a discussion about it and i said by saturday i would have it done and i did get it done later on in the day And I kept trying to make fixes and everything, but you telling me or texting me every hour, two hours. Yeah, five minutes, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, but that is what motivated me to put out my content and just put it out to the world, make it real, and move forward with it. So having told me, having me being someone who's keeping you accountable, and then starting with big, broad goals, breaking it down into manageable, daily, achievable goals, actionable items over a timeline. Yes. And then, yeah, as I recall, I was, I was pestering you pretty frequently about getting, you know, your first article up and the website live. Let's talk a little bit about what concerned you with that, whether we want to talk about perfect being the enemy of good. And I know that you had a lot of concerns about putting up an article before it was perfect and clean and spotless. You were worried about putting up something that was less than your best. And I had encouraged you just to get something out because one way or another, it was going to be your first article. Talk me through that process. In the beginning, I spent that whole week working on my website and working on the article at the same time. And I probably split it up half and half for the days. And I was putting in a lot of time, uh, first trying to figure out what I was going to write about. What happened was on the Saturday deadline time, because that's what I thought of it as, was I had it written down in the calendar as website article deadline, have it done, all in caps. Otherwise, Ty will do something. Blow up your phone. Yes. And your house. (laughs) Exactly. Didn't want either of those things happening. And I didn't want to let, I felt like I would let you down if I didn't accomplish those tasks by the time that I said I was going to. To begin with was very terrifying. At first, didn't think I knew what I was talking about. I had no idea if my article was going to resonate with anybody. And one thing that you told me about 
very early on, even for the first article, was if you can connect with one person, shouldn't that be enough? Right. And that's something that I had in my head that if I can connect with one person, if my article connects with one person, if each week only one person reads it consistently, but they read it because they actually get something out of it and they're able to put something into their life, I should just be able to put that article out and I'll make adjustments on it, but I don't need to make it perfect. I just need to make it so that it sounds like I'm speaking to whoever's reading it. Right. So I got over being terrified mainly because of the deadline. And I had the article written, I had the website ready to go, and I just kept making minor adjustments that I could have made later on, but I needed to get it up. And the reason I needed to get it up, other than the deadline, was I just need people to see it so to give me feedback. Right, yeah, the... Um... The best article in the world isn't going to do anyone any help if it's in your waiting to publish folder. Yeah. And same goes for the website. If you don't put your website out, you're not going to post your article on said website. So then the Facebook page that you're going to create, the Instagram page that you're going to create, anything that you create, you're not going to have somewhere that houses all of that content. Right. There's a really strong motivating factor just to get it out there, get it started. You can always tweak it later. You can always fix it later. You can always write a better article later, but start as soon as possible so that people can start seeing it. And, you know, I have to say, I don't think any of your articles have only been viewed by one person. So that's great. Yeah. You're at least reaching uh, me. <laughs> I'm reaching you and I'm reaching my parents. Perfect. <laughs> and my mom tells me that my stuff is good. So And that you're handsome. So I, I've also been working on a bit of a side project since November last year. I've been doing some writing. I used to do a lot of creative writing back in college. That was what I took a lot of my classes in. Initially for some easy English credit, but then later because I really enjoyed it, I excelled at it. It was a good outlet for my creative side. After 10 year hiatus from doing that, I decided to get back into it. And it was largely the same thing. Spoke to a friend that I knew wanted to do the same thing as well. And her and I kind of just started holding each other accountable. We would check in daily or weekly, make sure that the other was doing their writing. We had originally set some pretty steep, maybe unattainable goals, but it was a good excuse for us to check in with each other and make sure that we were writing every day and getting our page count and that sort of thing. So now that we're five or six months moved on from that, I've settled into a little bit more of an achievable rhythm and am producing a less crazy amount of product, but it's a sustainable amount. I have my two days a week that I sit down and spend a few hours doing writing and I'm hitting my word count goals, but it's largely due to having someone that holds me accountable and also having achievable goals and that deadline also helps as well. So do you find that in the beginning you were more motivated than you are now or based off the adjustments that you've made? Because you said that you had some pretty ridiculous deadlines and word counts and things like that. Do you think that you're more motivated now that you've taken time to figure out exactly what you need to do or were you more motivated in the beginning or has that changed at all? I don't know that my level of motivation has changed a whole lot, but I have noticed a difference in what I'm producing. My original goal was like a thousand or 1500 words a day, which is a pretty steep amount for creative writing that works out to six novel pages a day. And that was, that was a lot. 
And so now that my goals are a little more realistic, I find that what I'm producing is a lot better quality. Less, but it's all better, and I find I'm keeping more of it, as opposed to having a lot and needing to sift through it and throwing out half of it and being stressed in the meantime to hit those word counts. In the long run, I'm kind of better off with a more sustainable program, but it was that initial sprint of huge amounts of production that got me onto my current path of motivation. So I'm grateful for that, but most specifically, it's having someone to check in with on a weekly basis that we're both doing what we said we were going to be doing. And we said, you know, we're going to write novels by the end of 2019. So we have that deadline and we know that there's only so many days in the year and we need to make sure that we're actually producing something to hit that deadline. So you heard it here on the podcast, 2019. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of it, there's going to be whoever's listening to this, yep. check in with him and make sure that this is actually happening. Hold me accountable. Yeah. You wrote an article before about shame gremlins. Tell us what that feels like and how that affects your levels of motivation. Yeah. So shame gremlins are along the lines of perfect is the enemy of good. I felt like in the beginning for my articles, and I still run into this sometimes, where I feel I'm not knowledgeable enough to put out the content that I put out. For Shame Gremlins, I originally heard it from Brene Brown in a book that I read. It talked in depth about Shame Gremlins and exactly what that meant. How that happened for her was when she was writing a book, she ran into these shame gremlins and even for conferences that she does and things like that and speaking events she runs it sometimes run into those times where she just doesn't feel good enough and she tells herself well i'm just not that great of a speaker i'm not this i'm not that and i found that i was running into those points and had heard that and i was like wow that is exactly what i feel like i just don't feel i'm good enough and i want to hide my articles and I want to keep them so that nobody can see these pieces of me because that's kind of how I feel is there are pieces of me I don't have to expose that to anybody and it makes you want to just not continue doing anything so a little bit of an imposter syndrome mixed with that vulnerability of putting something out there that you have produced and that you've poured your heart and soul into and now is out on the internet for everyone to judge and out there forever. Yeah, yeah. The internet is forever. Yes. So that's a big thing for shame gremlins. To me, is it's just that feeling that whatever I'm going to put out content-wise is just not good enough. Whatever I'm going to say is just not good enough. And it can hold me back. So a way that I found to get around that is to actually speak about it. So I've talked to you a few times about feeling my shame gremlins and imposter syndrome. And I've actually put it into my content sometimes when I feel that way. So I make an Instagram post saying, oh, I felt these shame gremlins in regards to this that I'm going to be doing. So I started training a new client and I felt that way. And I started, like I posted an article that I did quite a bit of research on, but I still felt like I wasn't good enough to post that article. And I also felt other people already posted this. So why wouldn't people who look at my content just go to that one because this person's been in the fitness industry for so much longer than me. So they might have better information in regards to this. Right. So right. stuff like that comes up. I find to help me get around that is to just talk about it. And whether that's with myself saying, hey, 
this is what I'm feeling and putting words to that feeling. This is, I feel anxious putting this article out because of these things. What happens now is I don't feel that way putting my articles out. There's always going to be people who are reading it. And I see that week after week after week of me posting since the beginning, whether that ebbs and flows on how many people are reading. As I said, going back to what you originally talked to me about, if one person gets something out of my content, I should keep putting it out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you are you are making a difference at that point. And it's important to remember, too, that if everyone had felt this way, we would have exactly one movie and one song and one novel because, oh, well, someone else already did it. So do I really need to do that as well? And even one career. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you ever find in your writing that you have like shame gremlins or imposter syndrome? Oh yeah, for sure. I read a lot of a lot of fiction. Most of it's pretty good. Not all of it, but most of it's pretty good. You read something and you go through and you're like, oh man, I could never, you know, craft a story like this or or weave a plot like this or develop characters the way this author is. And you realize sometimes that everyone has to start somewhere, but also it can be really great to read something that's just crap. Then think to yourself, hey, I could I could probably do this. It's not rocket surgery. I can probably figure my way through, get a, a rough draft and then send it out and do some edits and make it better. But I can't do that until I get a rough draft, until it's completed, until I actually sit down and write something. What are some ways that you, you said that you read some books that aren't so good, that yeah. pumps you up. Yeah. What are some other ways that you help yourself in regards to shame gremlins or that other people help you in regards to it? It definitely helps to talk to people, send out your stuff to have other people evaluate it. Uh, in, in my case, to have someone else read it. And, you know, I had my, uh, my accountability buddy read over what I had written. When she was done, I asked her like, okay, well, what do you think? And her reply was, oh, I, I forgot that I was supposed to be editing this. I was just reading it and enjoying it. And that's a great feeling. One thing I've really kind of ran into with staying motivated is learning your procrastination patterns. I'm a procrastinator like everyone else and maybe worse, maybe better than some people. I'm not sure. But I found after some trial and error that there are certain times a day I am a lot more productive when it comes to writing and certain times a day where I just sit there and procrastinate for the hour or two hours that I'm supposed to be getting something done. So for me, it's in the morning. I mean, my morning, which is like nine o'clock on. Uh, I'm not a real morning person. <laughs> from nine o'clock till noon, usually on Wednesdays, which is a day off for me, I sit down and I get a thousand or 1500 words done. And then I try and write on Sunday as well. It's a day that I'm home early from work and I don't have to leave until later if I do work. So I get that morning time. It's one of those things that didn't work out nearly as well for me in the evening. Unlike running, which is not a morning thing for me. It's definitely more of an evening thing. The most important thing was figuring out when my time was being used properly and when it was worthwhile to commit that time and when I was just wasting time. So I think that's super important to hone in on in regards to being more efficient and finding ways or finding the times that you are the most efficient. Your writing time is efficient in the mornings 
And you yeah. figured out days that also work out for you schedule-wise. And then you figured out that for running as late as possible, because you've ran sometimes at about midnight. Yeah, I realized too that when it comes to the procrastination thing that if I'm going to be running, I need to be running every day. Because one day off is enough for me to just decide I'm going to quit. Yeah, it works out pretty well in the evenings. I've, I've eventually realized that ideally I go before 11 o'clock p.m. Because I start to have lower results after that. I'm just a, a bit too tired and my times are way slower. And it's important to find times you are efficient and you're using your time in a proper way. Because you can sit down and spend three hours, you know, for you working on an article, for example, and maybe only get half a page done if it's a, a Wednesday afternoon. But on a, a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning when it's crunch time and you know you need to publish that article, you're just banging through the pages. And and getting it done really quickly. Yeah, and I found when I was doing that, it's funny that's how that works for my writing because I don't like stress. Like if I feel stress, I just usually shut down. But when it comes to the article and having that up, especially now that I've been posting so regularly yeah. every Sunday, and the times have adjusted a bit, but it's always been Sunday. Yeah. That article is up. It's funny that that stress really helps me get that article done and doesn't lower the quality. Like I can't do math <laughs> at <Right>. all, <laughs> which is why I have a great editor in Ty because he's usually one of the first people who reads it and then texts me if there's anything that's in there and it's like, you need to fix this. Because my previous mistake was off by about 40 some hours. Yeah, just I just found time somewhere. Magic time out of the black hole. Yeah, but that speaks to my writing because I was going on the flow of my... I had already written the amount of times and did the proper multiplication to begin with for the first two. And then the last one just messed that one up. But if I actually didn't write that down and I wrote it on a piece of paper, I would have been fine. Well, and that's a great example too of you just not getting bogged down on those little things and getting your article done, getting it up. I let you know pretty quick. It was an easy, quick fix. You were able to adjust it. It didn't really make a big difference in the overall scope of the article. It was kind of about how incremental change has big results and spending a little bit of time here and there and finding finding some downtime to get more done. So talk a little bit about what you do in your downtime and when you have downtime. That's a great point that you brought up in regards to finding out when best time is that you can get stuff done and making sure that you get stuff done when you can. Things that I do would be filling up my time when I'm doing weird tasks. So getting a car wash, I have to wait to get a car wash pretty much all the time, especially in Edmonton. And if I'm getting a car wash, more than likely there's going to be a ton of people getting a car wash because I wait. But some stuff that I started doing was writing Instagram captions because those are things that can take up a bit of time. But because I'm just waiting there in a line, a lot of times it comes up with great ideas at that point. And so... Instead of me just writing that idea down, because I try to do that in my phone as much as possible when something comes up so I don't forget about it. But because I'm already there and I'm waiting, I just get that done. When I was doing my current job as the side project, there wasn't much time that I filled because there just wasn't time. I needed downtime to recharge from my full-time job plus the side project and writing articles and getting all of that done. Now that it's full-time, sometimes I'll go and do something. I'll go and help you or I'll go and help some family members or friends in regards to moving or just going for lunch or whatever the case is. So 
finding times during the day to fill really helps me just be more efficient. It really goes back to you talking about when are you most efficient. I slow down if I've been going all day, I slow down in the evening. So there's not many times that I can pull a 17 hour day. I've done that before to try and get ahead. It's just quality wise sinks so much. So you talk about quality of your runs because you're just so tired. Same thing happens with me. I've been working and I do take breaks, but even 20 minute, 30 minute break just doesn't seem enough when you've been going at it for that long. So I found filling my pockets of time and trying to motivate myself in those times help me in the long run so I don't need to do those 17-hour days or feel I need to do that. Yeah, and I mean, it can kind of be the case sometimes that you put in a 17-hour day and maybe only get six hours of actual work done or get the equivalent to a properly used six hours of work done. Yeah, sometimes quantity is important, but quality you can get so much more done in six hours if you're fresh and you're feeling it at that point whether that's waiting at a car wash or filling those gaps in time that you have during the day like if you have a lunch break at your current work and you want to work on your side project and you're feeling it do it because instead of you just sitting there maybe watching youtube videos fill that time with that side project and work on it and even if it's 15 20 minutes whatever the case is that's still 15 or 20 minutes more of work that you're getting done in regards to your side project that you didn't do previous. Yeah. And that can add up over time. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's why I run in the evening. My job isn't usually particularly physically straining. It is kind of a mental thing. So in the evening, I'm a little worn out mentally. I don't have a lot of creative energy left. So that's why I'm not doing writing in the evening, but my body is relatively fresh. So it works out really well that I can do physical stuff in the evening and mental stuff works better in the morning. I know at work that if I have a bunch of stuff I need to get done, whether it's a bunch of bookkeeping work or whatever, it's best if I get it done before 3 p.m. I've learned that my 3 p.m. till 5.30 p.m. is not a, a really efficient time for me. It's just time where I'm a big lump and then a frantic 30 minutes of concentrated activity towards the end of the day where I get two hours worth of stuff done. So I've learned to realize when my peak efficiency is. That doesn't happen overnight. No, no. Like like (laughs) that's what it took me time to find out and to actually know that I need to find out that stuff. So when I started doing this full time and uh, working on my business, I needed to figure the peak times and when I was most efficient Sometimes I can be tired and I can be efficient and quality doesn't go down, but I try to cap my day at about eight hours. I could do more. Sometimes I used to run into a shame gremlin of feeling like I need to do more. When I did do more though, quality would go down a bit or I just, I would run into perfect, trying to be perfect more Yeah. rather than my peak mood, which is let's just get this done. This is great quality. If there's something that needs to be fixed, somebody will tell me. So whether it's you or it's somebody else who reads my content or uh, views my Instagram content, anything like that, I've had people tell me, you need to fix this. And it's quick fixes, which is great. Yeah. But even if it wasn't a quick fix and I need to adjust the picture or whatever the case was, I'm still grateful that somebody took the time to read that and then tell me that I needed to fix that. It takes time to learn your peaks because some people might be better physically better mentally 
later on in the day than they are when they first wake up where I am definitely a morning person and I do better and get more stuff done in the morning. And yeah, it's it's very important to kind of play around with trial and error and see when you're uh, mentally sharp or physically sharp. And if you have something in your routine and it's just every day it's not working and you have to grind through it, it's maybe time to evaluate and see if you could slot that into a different part of your day and get better results or if that thing is adding value right because i mean it might just be you're working really hard on something and you're going to the gym to go to the gym just to say that you're there but you're procrastinating your way through a a two-hour quotes workout where you're not really getting much done yeah maybe you're on your phone yeah (laughs) more than you're actually doing the workout or you're talking with people which can benefit because then you're making more friends, that kind of stuff. But it also, you're there to work out. Yeah. Sometimes that can not benefit you as much. So are you finding value in the stuff that you're doing? And if you are, when are you doing those things to be better efficient at it? And if you're working on a side project or whatever you're working on, minimize your goals. So figure out your big goal. Yep. Break that down into daily tasks and slot it into whatever your calendar allows you to do your best job at that. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about actually time tracking an eight-hour day of work, and they said that you know using a time tracker app on your phone or your, your desktop, they were amazed how little work they were actually doing in an eight-hour day, and yet it's still feeling like a full day of work. So there's a lot to be said for dialing in that, that efficiency and really getting a lock on when you're actually getting work done. Okay, so we talked a lot about motivation and just making sure that you're doing things that are as efficient as possible and filling time and adding value. So with that, we'll wrap up episode three. Awesome. Thank you for listening to the Connect You podcast and we'll talk to you next week. See ya.